0: Well, it's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and 9 a.m. in Southern California. And this is news that you can use from Courage for Friday, September 29th, with your host, me, Ray, and as everybody knows him, Mario Space from our community and our team. Mario, how are you this morning?
1: Doing very, very well. Thank you, Ray. I'm glad
0: to hear it. We appreciate that you're filling in for Zach today. For those of you wondering where Zach is, he is at Clickbait University (laughs) and he is working on his doctoral degree. So um, once he gets back, you'll just be able to call him Dr. (laughs) Shevska. Mario, there's a a lot going on in the world of automotive today, Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the UAW. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot of surprises.
0: Uh, you, oh yeah! Oh, yes. Every single oh, day we
1: yeah. get like a like a news bulletin. Something's going to happen, right?
0: Um, it is. It, there, there's a lot going on. Justice, if and Justice is actually here, but he is behind the scenes today because he is well dealing with a rather severe cold. Justice, if you could pull up that UAW article, that would be. Uh, look at that. I, I love having a producer. This is just, you know, they listen to me. I don't know why. Um what is that head? I can't I can hardly read that headline because it's so small to me, but what is that that the top portion, the breaking news? Can you read that, Mario?
1: Yeah, it says uh, breaking news, UAW to expand Detroit three strike at Ford's Chicago plant that builds Explorer Aviator GM site that makes Traverse and Enclave.
0: Wow. So um obviously. Let me start off by first saying, obviously, I was wrong in my prediction that the strike would last ten days to two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, or at two weeks, and uh, there seems to be no end in sight at the moment, and it's only getting worse. Um, what do you, when when you see a headline like that, what do, what do you take away from that?
1: I mean, it's it's probably well orchestrated to create maximum you know headlines and pressure um i don't know how that's going to translate you know on the actual front lines you know when we buy cars and we look at you know short term but i mean it means i mean i think they're pretty smart in just planning everything very well coordinated to just you know uh leverage you know their positions and and this is not you know from from what I'm, I'm seeing, you know, President Biden going there, and you know, getting in the middle of all of this, you know, it just makes things way more entrenched. And we might, this might be a reaction, also, you know, to those type of things, you know, we see happening, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely! It, it seems to me it's it. This is like slow rolling the strike. Yeah. You know where you started the strike two weeks ago. Okay, and we we hit a few of your plants, and and um, and we're going to impact some of your parts. Distributors and things like that, yeah. and and you know that's really not going to bring the the manufacturers to their knees, um, but now they're expanding the strike, and and I think they're they're trying to send the message that yeah it hasn't been bad yet, but it's about to get bad, and and if you don't want to start really negotiating in what the UAW would call good faith, um, that. You know, more more plants are going to be hit. uh, The strike will become more widespread, and the damage to your businesses will become even greater. Um, I'm assuming, you know, this is a well thought out strategy from their particular point of view. I, I'm I'm assuming they're hoping it works.
1: Yeah, and and it will probably take a little bit longer than you know when you see things happening and the rhythm that they're happening. Um, I'm more worried about what's the collateral damage. You know, maybe not so much. You know, if you're looking for a Jeep or a Ford, you know, or GM product, but mm-hmm. what else is going to have happening? That's uh, the normal. You know, the the middle class. You know, person. You know, the normal buyer is going to be being impacted because of all these uh, how these things impact other areas. You know, in the uh, in the wholesale and the retail market. Yeah. So yeah, those are going to be extras or prices that maybe. They weren't planned, you know, they didn't they're not looking into how that impacts everyone else. Right.
0: And and I know in, in the article that, that 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 breaking news appeared. Uh, there were a, a number of economists, Jonathan Smoke being uh, mm-hmm. one of them, um, and a couple from uh, two other organizations discussing what impacts Um, the UAW strike might have on the expanding market in in the United States, because it it appears um, that everybody's predicting that sales for this third quarter will still be well up, and they're predicting that the uh, um, seasonal adjusted sales rate will continue to go up and be a little slower than what it was in the second quarter. But if if this strike becomes prolonged and and I don't know what prolonged would have to be mm. for it to impact the amount of inventory that the big three had sitting around prior to the strike because let's face it a year ago at this time uh, there was about 1.2 billion. Excuse me, one point two million new cars available for sale in dealer inventory or in transit, and this year it's it's a little over two million. So obviously they build up their inventories so that they would be able to sustain some type of, of lengthy strike if they needed to. Um, do you how do you see that playing out?
1: No, and I, I, that's a great point, Ray, because some you know probably didn't see that. You know, we were questioning why vehicles weren't selling and they were, you know, building all this supply. And I think, you know, these strikes come in cycles, you know, every couple of years you see one and they know that they need to build up supply and they mm-hmm. you know, weather this and that might, also, that might mitigate a little bit, you know, the impacts that we see, you know, in short term, but it'll eventually, you know, eventually impact, you know, uh, supply in other areas, you know, or might, I think that's kind of the thing right now that might not go into charging plants, but with the other areas parts and others you know might impact you know people that want their cars to be repaired you know that i think um, that's kind of worried that helps uh, that that hurts the normal uh, guy you know that just is trying to get you know by and continue to drive his car because he's not even looking for a new one right so yeah i'm concerned about that long term that's kind of the things that i i kind of would be more like trying to um you know, keep a, an eye on, on, because that, that's what's going to happen. You know, what other options do you have? Right. Um, so that's kind of the the thing. I'm, I don't think, uh, you know, from what I've seen, a lot of members, you know, buying, you know, these type of vehicles that are really expensive. A lot of them are holding holding off, you know, they mm-hmm. deliver purchases for a while. And I think people have been, have been, um, you know, for the last year they've been holding back, you know? Um, so I don't know if it's really like, there's a need for those, that supply to be, you know, uh, ready, available, because everyone's still waiting. You know, they're waiting for you know, rates to come back down or to for affordability to come back. And that might be, you know, way, way off into the future. It's not going to even be possible.
0: Justice, can you pull up that, that portion of the article that, that I had highlighted uh, that, that I thought um, really played into what we're looking at here? um you know in in that the the concern is that, that we can survive a couple of things economically that shouldn't lead us to a recession um we can survive the slightly higher interest rates which obviously are slowing down sales and we can probably survive a little bit of the UAW strike um but there are certain things that that make it much more difficult. Um, where was it? the used vehicle supply and pricing? if you could if you could highlight that, that that to me said so much about what's going on. Um, the industry does run the risk of experiencing more month to month volatility in wholesale used vehicle prices, the economist said with supply and vehicles so limited it takes only a small change to impact things and they they mentioned in here that it it could it will probably still take 3 to 5 years to get back to pre-covid levels of how things normally operate and that we're probably approaching a new normal as to how vehicles depreciate that they that these prices are going to remain high for the next three to five years. I, I think it's longer than that. But that's just you know the these economists are certainly smarter than I am. Um, well, one would hope they're smarter than I am. Uh, they're certainly better educated than I am. But but yeah, I, I I just you know I keep saying I think used car pricing is going to remain high and used car values are going to remain volatile through the end of the decade because of all those new vehicles that were scheduled to have been built that weren't built. So that we lost 11 to 15 million vehicle sales that would have had trade-ins that no longer had. So there were no trade-ins. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, as, as someone who deals with our community and, and helping people get cars, do, do you agree with that, that, that used car pricing will remain volatile volatile for a while?
1: It is right now, uh, right? Yeah, we still see, you know, the market's a little bit crazy still with, you know, you can see that even with um, when you get like offers, bid offers for vehicles, like mm-hmm. if you want to sell your vehicle. Then one week you see room, you know, really high. Then you see Carmax super high, and then you see wholesale action because of the uh, the strike. They say it reacting, so that propagates to Carmax and propagates. Through... So it's kind of like um, a lot of um, reaction, um, a little bit of panic sometimes. And it, yeah, it, it's so sensitive sensitive of the market right now that anything it reacts really quick and people hold back, you know, when you see volatility, people, you know, they want to step back and, and they don't want to make a, a decision, you know? So that further, you know, um, creates a hotter market because then people don't want to, you know, want to buy a vehicle right now. They don't want to trade in their vehicle because p- prices are so, so crazy. Right. And, I I, and cool. you see, I think I see that also in the housing market. Like it, you know, it's not only the automotive market. I think people are not selling their houses because, you know, interest rates are so high. So, what are you gonna get? You know, what, what are you gonna you know gonna sell it, and what are you gonna get? There is nothing out there. You know, with interest rates, so you have a, a one point you know one point you know three nine APR you know per, uh, interest rate, and now it's like eight. Yeah, you know? so you're not gonna move. You know, uh, and I think we see the same in the car market. Like, you see interest rates so high, and if people you- are like, "I'm not gonna get into another vehicle with uh, an eight percent interest rate." You know, when I'm doing you know. Uh, 1.9 on on my current vehicle, I'm going to stay, you know, I'm going to write this out and see, hope for the best, you know? And that's basically, it just adds, you know, to this whole thing, because then people are not trading their cars, you know, they're keeping their leases. Um, The the dealers are not seeing that supply come in. So they go into the auctions and they start bidding up all these um, desirable vehicles are the ones that are really hurting right now. That's what we're seeing. Uh, Anything that's 20,000, you know, in the $20,000 range, Mm-hmm. There's nothing out there. And the, the stuff that we see out there, probably not the best best option. And also they're not moving. And people are really that's when you see this situation in the market, like how it impacts those people that actually need those vehicles. And those are the ones that are in less supply and the dealers are not willing to move and everyone's bidding up. And then you get the situation where, you know, they're priced out of the new market, and now they're priced out of the used market, also. So yeah, I do believe that this volatility will continue. Um and And, you know, I've been reading uh, what the Cox economist has been saying for a while. and he's you know, he has a long view, you know, long view of the situation takes a while to adjust and three years also, yeah, it seems it seems it seems very far away, but you know, time it, it just takes a lot of time to build this up again to how it used to be yeah
0: there was there was an interesting quote, um an interesting tweet from car dealership guy today in regards to something that you touched on earlier that really plays into what we're talking about now. And that is that there's there are severe parts issues at the moment. There have been some, some parts issues, but now because of the UAW strike, um, Ford is cutting off distribution of additional parts shipments to their dealers, which means that the people who who Can't find themselves in the market for a new or a used car because they're just too expensive, and they need to maintain their existing car. They're going to find it harder to be able to do that now because you won't be able to get parts for it, and and that's that part shortage in my mind is what will truly exacerbate. the UAW strike where something will need to be done because if if people can't afford to buy a new car and people can't afford to buy a used car and people can't get parts to fix their existing cars, well, what's left? Yeah.
1: It, it's. It, I, I think that's, that's kind of like a... That's an area where they knew what, what impact will have and they still went ahead with it. And it just... It's not those it's not the fault of those people, you know, of the situation, you know, I understand, you know, the whole thing is happening, but it just creates a problem on the other extreme, you know, the other end, it just pushes everything. And um yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a that's a sad story because you see that people are holding their vehicles longer and, yes. and if you go to a dealer or to a, you know, and they cannot repair it, then what are you going to do? It's, it's, it's a situation where they're going to oh, I want to buy a new vehicle. I can't afford it. You know, I can't, I can't do thirty-six thousand dollars or thirty-seven thousand dollars. You know, on the on a uh, on on basic, you know, uh, uh, crossover SUV. And yeah, so we're gonna see that situation get, probably get worse. You know, we saw that also. I remember we 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 had our memories, but during the during the shortage, there was also like a part shortage, like in vehicles where. A lot of my members were coming in because they wanted to buy a vehicle because their vehicle has been three months in the, in the dealer waiting for, for a part, right? Mm-hmm. Waiting for uh, ECU or waiting for some of those electronic components. And they just couldn't, you know, move. And they were looking at just selling it as is and just moving on. Um, so yeah, hopefully this is just, hopefully it's, it's it doesn't last, uh, a while. Um, because yeah, parts are not, you know, dealers on stock, you know, parts for everything. You know they they have everything is on 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 demand and so that's going to be tough if you have a, a need for one of those um assemblies or anything that's really complex and cannot be found by a third party you know
0: yeah it's it th- this is a situation that really starts to impact everybody uh, mm-hmm. there there was a a study that cox did and i believe it's 83 percent of people are no longer considering themselves to be in the market for a new car anymore because the pricing is too damn high. Well, that only leaves 17%. Now, I suppose that that, that 17% is still a sizable enough uh, portion of the pie to be able to keep selling cars. But... I, I don't know how you rule out eighty-three percent of your potential customers if you're building new cars, and and having used car values continue to go up at least on the retail side of things, and and be able to sustain this for any any extended period of time. I mean, we need. I talk about it, I guess, every day, and if, if people aren't sick of it, I'm certainly sick of saying it. We we need more affordable options. Now, I say we need more affordable options and, and you know, people with money would say there's plenty of affordable options. But those of us who consider ourselves middle class or less, and 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 honestly, I I, I, I think of myself even though I make a decent living, I, I think of myself as like the working poor um, because I, I don't feel middle class in the sense that I, I don't have the disposable income. I don't have the expenses either, but I don't have the disposable income to be able to buy the types of things that these manufacturers are selling. Um, and and so it just it scares the hell out of me. It, scared, it scares the hell out of me for my children. It scares the hell out of me for your children. It's, you know, the... The chasm between those who have things and can afford things and the rest of us who can't, that chasm keeps getting wider and wider and deeper and deeper. And and that that just, it frightens me. I I don't, you know, you're a lot younger than me, you know. Well, hell, just about everybody's a lot younger than me. But, But, you know. Maybe I'm jaded, but even at your age I, I i would think that those thoughts that your children might not be able to have a better life than what you're having um must scare you, I would think,
1: yeah, it's a concern yes yes you you're always worried about if you have it tough right now, what's gonna be you know coming down, but you know um you hope for the best, you know that things will get a little bit better and uh, you know, just uh, get a little uh, uh, strong so you can, you know, face those challenges and get over, you know, the situation. But it's tough for those people that right now have those needs. And and I 100% agree. You know, what What I'm seeing with, with members is like um, new vehicles, they're way too expensive, even on the on the uh, mid $20,000 range. Mm-hmm. So everyone's going to buy used vehicles. You know, everyone's looking at the vehicle. So I'm surprised it. Even though it's the worst segment to be on the $20,000 segment right now, Ray, right? like yes. I see people like, hey, I want that Camry for 20000 And I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's so overpriced. It's the only thing they can afford, you know, it's either that or like maybe try your luck at a Nissan Versa, you know, which <laughs> is the only vehicle right now that's under, you know, $19,000, right? Um or I mean, it's a it beachy
0: mirage. Or, yeah,
1: yeah, the mirage is out, I think. Yeah, I think it's the last year, right, of the mirage. Yes,
0: marriage.
1: yes. The Versus the new king of the 17000 you know, $18,000 um, area. So it just doesn't work. It's a small vehicle, right? Um, so they need something for their family, and they just have to go to the used uh, market, and that creates more pressure, and that makes it more difficult for everyone. And now there's nothing affordable even on the used side. That's That's in good condition, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's some... There's some other stuff out there, but it's really, really, really not wouldn't recommend buying anything that's, you know, under, you know, 15,000. If right now is not in great condition. But, yeah, it's like everything's getting tighter, 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 and your options are getting more limited and people are getting frustrated. And that creates a whole lot of issues for everyone.
0: In, in, on, on our video on the main channel yesterday, talked about used car affordability. and. To get a twenty thousand dollar car today, where it might have been a three year old car three or four years ago, it's mm-hmm. now a seven or eight year old car. Yeah, and that's true. Mm-hmm. and so three years ago or four years ago, whenever it was, if you were buying one for twenty thousand dollars and it had normal miles on it, that would have been a car that would have had somewhere between forty and fifty thousand miles on it. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're if you're looking at a car that's now seven years old, you're talking about a car that has close to a hundred thousand miles on it. And you're still paying twenty thousand dollars for it. Yeah.
1: And we see that yeah, when they come back and want to get into a new car and they're like impossible to get into a new car with that type of mileage and that depreciation.
0: And and if you're buying a car with close to a hundred thousand miles on it, the likelihood of having some type of major repair has gone up exponentially um, mm. and and you know not not to not to pump what we do up but you know if you go to CarEdge and you go and and to our website courage.com and you click on free data and you can look at um, you can you can type in the type of car that you would be looking at and you can see a breakdown of when major repairs are expected. Mm -hmm. And usually it's somewhere between eight and 10 years. Well, if you're buying a car and it's seven years old, you're going to be the one holding the bag when that major repair is going to happen. And if you're buying a $20,000 car because you can't afford anything else, the likelihood of you actually being able to afford that major repair if it pops up seems even less likely to me i mean we're just creating a situation where people are going to get so far over their head with this expense that we're 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 just we're burying them
1: yeah and i think just as the other day was mentioning like so many of the uh you know uh that we're doing or you know we're chatting with people so many are negative right now, like it's incredible they're coming back and saying, "Hey, I need to get out of this you know this truck, I need to get out of this you know s u v and I'm you know 8000 dollars under, and there's nothing that you can do like how where do you hide that negative equity like that's impossible to do right now and and that's gonna be that's something that we try to when we see like I want to buy this car at twenty thousand, but we know that that car is like a thirteen thousand dollar car i mean it, that's the worst um, you know demographic to be you know negative because something's gonna happen with that type of vehicle in the end and, and they won't have the ability to 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 get out of it and it's really tough. That's a real thing that's happening way 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 more common right now than we st- we saw like last year you We're know you, every single day right now
0: when I was when I was at the end of of my career on you know actually working in the dealerships. And this was what I've been retired for five and a half, almost six years. Um, even then we realized that, that there was this mountain of negative equity that we, we were going to have to deal with. And we started training the salespeople. If someone had a trade in to mention that, you know, in most cases today, People are afflicted with negative equity—that they owe more on their car than what it's worth. Uh, so, assuming you fall into that category, folks, how was it that you were planning on dealing with your negative equity? Were you going to be putting money down to cover that, or were you hoping to be able to roll that into your next loan and have your payment go up? Because you have to address it, and and the reality is. It's not the dealership's problem that's trying to trade the car. It's the consumer's problem that is trying to trade the car. and That is their responsibility. You know, a dealership can only help to a certain degree to, to bury some of that. But it, it economically, uh, financially, it doesn't make sense for you to, as a customer to keep rolling negative equity into your next loan at a certain point you you can't roll any more in and you find that you can't get yourself out
1: yeah no it's a cycle and we want to avoid that at all costs because it limits your options it just it just creates a thing where you cannot get out of it easily so yeah, so that we, we, we saw that like two years ago when people were buying vehicles and now we see this with the used market more, more so because it used to be like new vehicles with markups and all sorts of stuff on top of it. Mm-hmm. We are really worried about what was going to happen with the Hyundai, right? A Hyundai, I know, even though you might be at MSRP with you know, $3,000 in add-ons, now it's a used car market, the concern. It's just a little bit hot. And, and, you know, whether there's some statements that you can still do a little bit okay. I'm not saying that everything's bad, Yeah. As always, the luxury segment—you know, those type of vehicles—we can do a little bit better. But everyone in need of a vehicle right now—they need basic transportation, and and that's where it it gets an issue. And we see this with every single day with people coming in. You know, I can't move on this vehicle; they just won't move. They they won't even answer. You know, Mm -hmm. and I was I was asking you Igor about it, you know, um, uh, today in the morning, and and it's just that dealers also, you know, they don't have supply, you know, they don't have those vehicles and it mm-hmm. just hold and they will wait until that person comes in and pays what they're asking, right? Um, so, yeah, it's a whole thing. And this probably has to do a little bit with the uh, strike, but also has to do with interest rates. It also has to do, you know, with the overall economy. So it's like a whole thing. I think the article kind of mentioned that, right? Like, like, yeah, we can take one thing or maybe two, but what happens if we have three, four, you know, exactly. hits? Exactly. Can we get out of it? Man, um, you know, you, you probably know this more than I do because you have the perspective of these type of situations happening more in the past, but it, it seems difficult, right? You know, we see what interest rates does alone. Imagine what, you know, unemployment, if unemployment goes up, you know, what will happen? Yeah, kind of be like a whole other situation.
0: It, it is It is almost, it feels like a perfect storm Yeah. of there's just too many things coming together one time that can negatively impact all of us, you know, it, it won't just impact the automobile industry. It will impact all of us as a as a country. And, and you know, you, you just kind of hope that we can survive that perfect storm. Um, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I would like, if you don't mind, I would like to take one moment and, you know, I, I keep seeing in the comments, people are wondering where our dear friend Kimberly Klein is, the FNI goddess herself. And so I would just like to share with everybody where Kimberly is. Um, Kimberly has decided to go off on her own, and it was her decision to do that. It was um, a great loss in our minds when she decided to do that because she was such an important part of, of what we do here in our team and, and how we interact with our members. Um, but Kimberly wants to concentrate strictly on the FI side of things. And uh, I believe her plan is to develop her own YouTube channel on her own, just dealing with F&I issues. And my understanding is that she was taking all of September off um, and then starting up again next month. So for those of you wondering where Kimberly is, she's still in West Virginia, damn it. Um, she's she's resting up and getting ready to start her very own YouTube channel herself. We love her. We miss her. Um, nothing against you, Mario, but my Fridays are just not the same without her. Um, <laughs> <Thank you. Yeah. laughs> um, but, but that's... That's what's going on with Kimberly, and we we do I think we will all agree with it. her contributions to what we do were monumental and uh, hard to hard to replace um and and damn it, mario I, th- I I think we killed a little more than a half an hour already
1: yeah, yeah it was really fast, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's amazing and and I have another show to do in fourteen minutes. where actually Phil and I. Well, will uh, a blonde wig for Mario. I like that. <laughs> <See>? uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: That's a good one. <laughs> well,
0: well, perhaps I'll put on the blonde wig. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I will be on the electric show with Phil today. Phil and I will be on at um, 1245. So, Mario, I, I want to thank, oh, thank you for filling in for Zach. there's been a lot of not sacks this week and there'll be two more days of not Zach on Monday and Tuesday because, well, he won't be back from his travels uh, and ready to go back to work with me until Wednesday. Um, so Mario, thank you. Have a great weekend. Justice feel better. Thank you for producing. I couldn't have done this without you. And, uh, For everybody out there, we will see you back here with more news that you can use from Car Edge on Monday at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, 8 a.m. in Anchorage, 6 a.m. in Honolulu. And for all the Manila maniacs out there that can't get enough of us, we'll be on at midnight on Monday. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Mario.
1: Bye, Ray.